Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they are achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. Today, I have Lucas Hewitt with Lairs. Lucas, how's it going? Doing well. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, glad to have you. So um, let's hop into this. Today, we're going to be talking, really focusing in, um, although Lairs is a property management company, has a multitude of different services. Um, but really, we're going to focus in on uh, working together with, with other owners and their uh, revenue share model and kind of a short-term um, corporate rental space. So really, really looking forward to diving in on this. I don't think we've had any discussions on um, previous podcasts with regard to this. So excited to hop in with that. Lucas, what's, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, background, experience, and uh, also sure. just hit on the company as well. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, well, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a kind of red-blooded broker when it comes down to it. I spent 10 years working in brokerage and development and property management for the largest landowner in the state of Florida and uh, really afforded me the opportunity to learn both the deal-making side of real estate, but also the math that goes along with it. And I'm sure you've covered those topics, both of those on your podcast prior. Yeah. Um, so I spent 10 years there and really learned the business and then saw that was in Florida, saw the downturn coming in the Great Recession and was recruited by CoStar, was brought up to CoStar and learned the CRE tech world, enterprise sales, and uh, was a great experience there. Um, at the time, they were really making a push for people that can connect the dots between how data can help owners, investors and lenders and brokers make better decisions. And so I, I really thrived within that environment, enjoyed adding that to my skill set. Um, as I was burning off a non-compete from CoStar uh, within the CRE tech space, I got the opportunity actually to take kind of a little bit of a left turn and ended up working for Bridge Street Global Hospitality, which is the largest, um, second largest corporate housing company in the world and revenue for them in the Americas and really learned hospitality from the inside out. And uh, what really helped me there um, was, was to understand that operational element that you don't necessarily see when you're a deal guy. Um, you don't live and breathe these properties. And the hospitality folks are working 365, 24-7. And it was a great experience there to apply what I knew about real estate and what I knew about the real estate math that goes with hospitality properties and assets and then see how that works in real life. It also exposed me to institutional accounts and global accounts. So I had the opportunity to set up um, housing programs for major banks on three different continents, that type of work. Um, so at that point in my career, I kind of looked at this uh, arrangement that I'd pulled together and said, all right, I've got tech, I know commercial real estate, and I've got these hospitality elements that are in my DNA now. And, um, you know, what should I do with this? And so I got in the consulting field. And so now I spend my time working with mainly owners and investors, but also with startup operators and helping them on growth and turnaround projects. And so the latest one that we've done here is Layers that I'm excited to talk about today. We're doing this for HLC Equity. 
that's a multi-generational family office based out of Pittsburgh. Um, they own a variety of assets, but they have a good footprint of multifamily assets in Dallas-Fort Worth, which is where we started Layers, and uh, look forward to talking more about Layers today. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, let's dive into this then. Why? Um, I don't know if you want to share, first of all, any more information about Layers uh, or if you'd like to, sure. to dive into some of the questions and discussion. Yeah, I'll tell you what Layers is, is really was born out of um, HLC equity being owners. And I think being that family office and, and being owners that have owned real estate for generations and looking at this and saying, you know, there's there's got to be a better way that, that we're watching people make money in the short term spaces. And we're not participating that as traditional landlords, as most landlords are not. And so they're watching the rise of Airbnb over the last 10 years and uh, all that's come from that. And so they have a progressive CEO. And so he brought me on board to um, help him bring to life the layers model, which is a hybrid management model. We're doing traditional leasing. We're doing traditional unfurnished, you know, come in, lease it for a year or 18 months or six months. Um, we're doing that type of leasing, but a significant part of our model, and hence the name Layers, is that we layer in a portion of furnished service apartments, and then we bring a whole raft of amenities, the hospitality amenities, those principles I told you I learned when I was in that industry, um, to the property as a whole. So even if you're an unfurnished tenant, you're still benefiting from the yoga classes that are being held at night um, or the raffles where we do a thing every Friday. It's, it's silly, but it's, it's hugely popular at our properties in Dallas, a raffle every Friday and somebody gets a Netflix um, gift certificate and then a, a box of popcorn and a box of candy and it's delivered at their front door every Friday. So everyone gets to benefit within the property, but uh, the owner is benefiting from having the ability to do service furnished apartments within a portion of the building. And so we can help them. We're a vertically integrated company, so we can handle the general management, accounting, property management, all the way through um, to the leasing. Um, but the owner's really benefiting from this yield that we're able to bring them 90 to 110% more rent on that layer of the property that's operating as a service flex uh, layer. Wow. Say that one more time, 90%? 90 to 110%. And we've done this. We started in our own portfolio. We've been working on this for just over a year. And we started within our own Dallas portfolio. And we're getting 90 to 110% more rents and 30% gross margins Wow. Uh, on that. And that's including the underlying base rents. Yeah. So, and, and I think you it's know, what you can get unfurnished. I think it's important to let the listeners know that uh, at least uh, on your portfolio that I'm familiar with in DFW, I mean, this probably started on a property in uh, Grand Prairie. Is that right? Kind of 1980s construction work. It it did. Yeah. We we didn't go to the high profile class A downtown glass tower. Yeah. And I think that's Uh, what a lot of people, you know, yeah, that, and that's I lived here in New York, and, and that's a, a lot of my business. Um, but that's not where we started. We really wanted to prove the concept within core assets, and in our portfolio, these kind of Class B properties that were built of that vintage um, 
and and it's uh, frankly it's affordable housing. It's not technically legally affordable housing, but it's workforce housing. This is yeah. this is where real you know middle class people live, and so we wanted to show that these hospitality concepts and this the, there's still demand within um, that segment for furnished, and and that's what we found. And it's not the entire building. And you may run into operators that are out there. There are a lot of startups that have raised a lot of money that come in and say, you know what, I'll take half the building. We spend a good amount of our time on due diligence and really market analysis and understanding what what will this building bear? What's the right mix? And frankly, what's the right mix of furnished and unfurnished this time of year? I've run properties in Chicago before where – You really don't want short-term rentals. You want someone that'll take it for the entire six months and can go quiet, you know, while it's so cold in Chicago that time of year. So what's, what's the right mix within your asset this time of year and you build these seasonal budgets. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a big piece of what layers does. Okay. All right. So then why would an owner um, or even an owner operator, someone that doesn't use third-party management, but manages in-house, yeah. partner with layers and bring in this this uh, corporate or short-term furnished housing model. I, I think it's one of the nice things about layers again, where it's owned by an owner. We think like owners every day. Um, I hope we can talk about exit strategies as well. I know that comes up anytime anyone thinks about doing these flex projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason why an owner would, would look to a company like Layers is that we can come in for just that portion, just that layer of their property, once we do the analysis that should be serviced, that they can yield and get those 100% lifts on their rents. And we can come in and then operate those units. We can do what we do best, those hospitality principles. Our employees are hospitality folks. They're not real estate folks. And so we come in and can operate those units, bring the hospitality element to the entire asset, and then just do a rev share across those units that we're operating in. And again, that can be a very flexible type of thing that can, you know, surge with the seasons. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what's the market look like for this today, post-COVID? Um, on, I, I mean, specifically, I don't know if you can speak to, to Dallas, Fort Worth and some of your properties that you've sure. implemented this on. What, what's this market look sure. like? Today? So as we've rolled out the, the project, we've been leasing them as fast as we've furnished them. Um, there are some great companies. I'll call out one of our partners, a vendor partner called Nixon, uh, that it's a great furniture partner. Um, for us that is able to get, um, you know, uniquely designed properties that don't look like corporate housing um, that will suit a family uh, or someone who's traveling for work like that traveling nurse I mentioned earlier and can do that in short order. And they also can remove it in short order as well. Um, so so that's really what we've been looking for. Is, is it a partners that allow us that flexibility. Sorry to interrupt. Is it a lease on the furniture? So we can go either way. We've got contacts and have the ability to uh, purchase. We can do lease to purchase or we can do pure lease. And again, you can do a mix of that. Uh, We have a property that we're working on now in suburban New Jersey. Half of the property is going to be long-term rentals and half of the property will be short-term rentals, but it will all be furnished. And in the long-term rentals, Um, we may rent that furniture because maybe we find out that the market can't bear 
furnished for that many units all all through. So we like the flexibility of having the lease. But on the short-term rentals and that portion of the property that operates more like a hotel, we know that we're going to, to have this furniture long-term. And so you get the efficiencies of purchasing. Okay. And again, it depends on your hold strategy. It depends where you are in your life cycle of your asset. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is the thing you can execute on and you can make money in the last one year of your hold period, or this is a type of thing that we can be part of your due diligence and we can help juice your numbers, you know, for the first five years you're holding, and then we can help yeah. you reposition the asset for the time you're ready to exit. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry I cut you off, but anyways, the market from my understanding is what, what you've communicated is still really strong for the short term or corporate market. Oh yeah, no, that's that's great. I'm sorry to answer that fully. Um, we are still seeing corporate demand. Um, the corporate demand has shifted. What we've seen it move towards is towards technology, but not software. Towards hardware, we've seen it move towards medical. Um, we've seen it uh, move towards um, students we've, and international travelers. That whether they be business or consumer, like B two B or B two C, they're stranded. They they're not able to go back to France right now. Um, they're, you know, they're working for a bank and they're, they're stuck, you know, in Houston. And, you know, that's, that's where they're going to be for the next number of months. And they need that flexibility. They need the home away from home. So the corporate business is still there. It's down for sure. Business travel is down for sure, but uh, it's still there if you, if you know where to look for it. Okay. And can we talk a little bit about the process? Um, what does that look like? Mm-hmm when you work with um, an, an owner or a management company uh, who's considering this corporate short, short-term rental model, and, and maybe start from sure. the beginning when you conduct your market analysis and, and along with market analysis, I don't know if there are any particular, you know, if there's anyone listening that say, says, hey, I own a property next to a hospital. Well, well, great, that could bode well for this model or, hey, I own a property Absolutely. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> We used to run a building that was across the street from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, uh, New York, and made an amazing profit on that building, or excuse me, Rochester, um, Minnesota. And we used to uh, make an amazing profit on that property. International uh, medical tourism is what made it there. You'd never think of a you know, property like Rochester, Minnesota, and it was international medical tourism that we lived and died by up there. Um, so no, to the process, we really start, it's still real estate at the end of the day, Mark. It's, um, you got to start with the asset. And so we start with um, the basics and would look more at um, kind of your typical appraisal or market analysis and look at how the property is competing, where it's positioned on an unfurnished basis. Uh, from there, we'd run a similar analysis using things like star reports and look at what is available in the furnished world. Uh, be that corporate housing or or uh, hotels, extended stay, uh, those types of things. You see that in suburbs of, of uh, Dallas is extended stay. America is a big player, and so you're establishing a couple different price points um, there. Um, so we would start at the property level, looking at that. Um, from there, we would go in and then look at the corporate density, and that's really probably the key that that most you know, real estate companies aren't thinking about that corporate demand piece. And so to be able to go in and say, well, so-and-so is building this, you know, office next to us and to be able to figure out 
if they're putting in 500 employees coming into this neighborhood, how many of those employees will be relocations? And those relocations average, what, 90 days per stay. And how do we go get those bookings? What about the intern programs that may run from it? People uh, tend to travel for work for four or five reasons. And I just mentioned two of them, relocations, intern programs, project work. And so we do that analysis and say, what does this property lend itself to? Does it lend itself to families? Um, then great. We may do really well over the summer times with relocating families. And we've got a corporate base that will support it. So we do all that underwriting um, and then combine that with traditional underwriting. It's the same thing we do on our own assets at HLC. And then from that, we can calculate what the market demand should be. And we make an estimate of how big the layer of service should be within the asset. Uh, you also can run into regulatory um, issues there as well. You know, hate to, to mention the truth of it, but your lender may not allow over a certain number of units. You may be capped at how many units are allowed to be furnished and serviced to be this non-traditional flex real estate. I think everyone's becoming more informed about this but we're still dealing with some legacy thinking. Okay. Yeah. I'm along with that for the um, revenue share model, I guess we didn't really get into it, but that would be helpful to understand as well. And maybe it's a case by sure. case, by case basis and uh, leads to a follow on conversation with some of the listeners, but uh, from a high level, can you talk just what that revenue share? Yeah, from a high like? level, there's there's no real secret sauce. There are a number of companies that that are operating this way um, on on rev share. I like it because it aligns the interests of the owner and the operator together. And when you've got that transparency and your interests are tied together, I just find the relationship works um, just a lot more seamlessly. So the way to think about it, let's just use some rough numbers. Let's say that you're an apartment owner and you've got 100 apartments and we come in and we do the analysis and we think that 20 of those apartments, the market will bear 20 of those apartments being able to enjoy this program where I can double your rents. So we would go into there and say, Mr. Landlord, today as an unfurnished unit, you're getting $1,000 per unit for um, each of those 20 that we're describing. Tell you what, let's run our program. We'll come in together. We'll tell you, you want to buy the furniture, you want to lease the furniture. Where are you in your hold cycle? All those types of questions would have to be answered. But once we have those questions answered, we would go in and say, we'll help you design it. We'll get it installed. We'll, you know, snap our fingers for you and you'll have fully furnished service on our back end, tech enabled. So all the communication with the tenants, the lease app, all that information is all digitized. Um, easy to to work with the tenant's current accounting or the landlord's current accounting system. And from there, um, we would go in and say, for you keep that first $1,000 that comes in on your own. But I'm going to double your rents, 90 to 110%, again, is what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to double your rents. On the rents over $1,000, we're going to have some revenue sharing. You're going to get X, I'm going to get Y. Mm -hmm. Okay. Simple as that. <laughs> Simple as that. That's the high level. And again, we didn't invent it. Um, it's, it's out there. It's a way of doing business, but it's giving the landlord the respect to say, hey, before you ever heard of, of Lucas and Layers, you are getting $1,000 a month for that unit. Fair enough. Yeah. But look what we can do. You've never had IBM in that space before. 
Right. No, that's awesome. Um, one of the questions that I had, and, and you kind of answered it, uh, but was really about outside of furnishing units, what differences are at the community level? You talked about uh, kind of the Netflix raffles and, and popcorn. It seems that you have yeah. uh, some secondary effects that really just help create a community outside of, you know, some of your short-term or corporate. Yeah, uh, units. You, you're right, Mark. If, if we had, you know, a longer conversation about this, I'd actually spend a lot of time on it because I think there's a ton of value here for a property owner who everyone knows community, you know, it's just an overused word of every yeah. property, you know, has become a community, but to really bring that to life. And that's what I, cause I was a real estate guy. And once I started working in hospitality, I saw the difference. And I saw the difference of the kinds of those people that, you know, when you bump into a housekeeper in the hallway and, and, you know, he says hi to you, you know, that's real estate. People don't say hi to you in the hallway, but hospitality people do. Uh, so, you know, it's just a different, different way of, of doing business. Um, so what we do bring, and it's again, technology enabled is that it's all through the app. So we, we drive, um, if we control the entire building, we will drive um, things like rent payments and maintenance requests all through an app. So it starts to drive the behaviors and the disciplines of using the app for those basic functions that any property does. Um, but on top of that, well, that's where we'll also have, you know, social media content. We'll also have what's going on within the community and the events that we're having or surveys of what kinds of events we should have. What we found particularly on the business travel side is that loneliness is a, a, a real issue that, you know, you're in a new city, you have to do an audit, you're working 12 hours a day, you leave the space and it's dark, you come home to a dark apartment and an empty fridge. It's just, it's a lonely experience. And so we spend our time trying to solve for that problem of loneliness. Yeah. And once we do that, the kinds of services that are now available on site when we have someone that's hanging a bagel and putting a coffee outside the front door for our service departments, now that becomes a service that's available to the other 80 units that are leasing unfurnished, mm -hmm. and it's making their life better. And so you can see them renewing at a higher rate. We also see a lot of transitioning between our short-term tenants that become long-term tenants. Okay. Um, and, and one of the big questions that I have is, you know, this space is becoming more mature and, and I know the lenders are still uh, struggling to, to swallow, you know, the entire thing. Um, and, and as it becomes more mature, you know, maybe this will change with at least, you know, the agency lenders, which is right now the predominant lender and multifamily. But um, so thinking about sale and refi on the back end. Can you talk a little bit about the transition back to longer term leases? Uh, what is the process yeah. like in the, in the timeline? How is that easy to do? Happy to. It's still the reality that, that we're all facing. And you know, the education process is happening. I've been in this space doing flex real estate for about five years. And when I say flex, people understand that more and more nowadays. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, it is a reality. So what we do is then we work with the owners. We're doing it with our own portfolio, looking at our hold periods. And, you know, we, we strike that balance of using rental furniture. Services are something that we're doing across the entire building. So that's the kind of thing that, that um, maybe they discount the revenue that may come from services, but it's not something you have to cast off completely. 
But using flexible concepts like a rental furniture program that you can quickly pull out um, or even look at a lease, you know, look at leases over the last year of your asset and just let them burn off over time and do traditional leases, re-tenant the building during that last year. Mm-hmm. And then you're back to traditional cap rates. Um, I, I'm uh, an evangelist for the space. I'd love to think that there's not a, um, you know, a surplus that comes on for the cap rates for um, flexible assets, but I, I think there definitely is, particularly in the financing world. So um, that, that's something that's easily taken care of by just repositioning the asset in the last year. Yeah. Well, this is awesome. And, and I really hope to see more of this in the future, especially with layers. Uh, I have even seen class C property, 60s construction with predominantly uh, lower income demographic that's uh, implemented this. If it's in the, you know, this, at least this property close to a hospital, close to um, right. you know, entertainment districts. And uh, so, yeah, and, it, and it's bode well for that, uh, for that owner. So anyways, just hope to see more of this in the future. Mark, I'll tell you one of the reasons I think you will, and why I do think you'll see more buy-in on the the institutional level of the lenders and such, is that this isn't a millennial phenomenon. Uh, I'm not a millennial. I'm not here saying this is a pure co-living play and we all share bathrooms. Um, You know, what we're seeing is that there's as much demand with empty nesters who just want to live a lifestyle where they're not hauling a sofa everywhere they move. You know, and they want to move more often and be more mobile. So it's kind of a barbell between the younger generations and the older generation that my parents, they sell their house. I don't think they're ever going to buy another house. I think they're going to travel around and see grandkids and spend a month in London. And, you know, this this is that trend of experiences over owning things. So I think that's the, the wind behind our backs. Yeah. Well, Lucas, what's the best way for listeners to learn more about Lairs uh, and also just reach out to you, contact you, um, learn more about yourself and how you can help them? Yeah, so the easiest way to do it is to go to LayersLife, L-A-Y-E-R-S-L-I-F-E.com, LayersLife. And I'm Lucas, L-U-C-A-S, at LayersLife.com. Awesome. For those that want to boost their cash flow, um, and experience uh, this, this revenue share model with corporate and short-term housing, reach out to Lucas. Again, Lucas, thanks so much for your time. I uh, really appreciate it. Oh, and very much it was great learning it. more about this. No, really appreciate the time, Mark. Yeah, best to you and the family. Thanks. Talk soon.